Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I want to share with you guys our favorite toothpaste that the entire family uses. It's called Risewell, and Risewell is a fluoride-free toothpaste that has all non-toxic, safe ingredients, so it's even safe if swallowed, which makes it perfect for young children. I love Risewell because... Unlike some of the other natural and non-toxic toothpastes on the market, Risewell contains an ingredient called hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral that actually has been scientifically proven to strengthen and protect our teeth without the use of fluoride. You can save 10% now with the code KULIK10 when you go to risewell.com. And again, that code is KULIK, K-U-L-I-K-10. Hi, everyone. Today, I want to talk about a few different things, I think, and I might just kind of blend them all together and see how it goes. But I want to talk about the individuality of our kids and really of us as humans. So I think that most of us know as adults that humans all are different. We have different personalities. We have different temperaments. We have different needs. And we're not going to respond to certain things the same way. We're going to have different experiences. And I think that we pretty much get that for adults. I definitely think we still have some work to do, but I think there's more awareness about our differences and how we're all individuals. Um, But for some reason, I feel like this isn't really translating over to our kids and especially to our babies. And I would say that I've seen lots of great constructive conversation um, about this topic in kind of the respectful parenting world. So, you know, I follow a lot of respectful parenting accounts and I see a lot of conversation happening about um, these these kiddos that are maybe more highly sensitive or um, so another word for them is deeply feeling kids or orchid babies. And so we talk about these things and, and p- professionals are talking about this. But then again, I feel like it's not really translating over to the sleep industry world. And for some reason... I think so many people, and this is still kind of the societal idea of how babies should be sleeping, so many people still believe that all babies should sleep the same and that they should sleep through the night at a specific age and that, you know, because a baby is however many months old, they shouldn't need night feeds. And we're still really quick to want to put babies into a metaphorical box and a literal box, which is the crib, but a metaphorical box to 
decide how they should be sleeping based on their age, based on their weight, um, et cetera. And I find that really problematic because the truth is, is that just like we are all different as adults, babies are all different and they have different needs. And so we can't really say, you know, I get asked a lot. I get this question a lot from people that are well-meaning. You know, I'm not trying to attack anyone here. I just want to talk about this, this reality and hopefully offer some additional perspective that can help parents to uh, better understand and to better accept their baby for who they are. But I get asked a lot, how many times should my baby at XYZ age be waking during the night? How many night feeds should they have? When should they be able to self-regulate? When should they be able to sleep more independently? And unfortunately, I can never answer these questions because the answer is pretty much always, well, it depends. It depends on who your child is, who your baby is. It depends on a lot of factors. It depends on how often they're eating solids during the day. It depends on their temperament. It depends on their personality. It depends on if they're stressed, what their environment like is like, what kinds of developmental um, progressions and, and milestones they're, they're going through and learning. So it always depends. And I know, I think people get really frustrated with me because my answer is almost always, it depends. And that's because it is. And so really... If you're working with or considering working with a sleep trainer or sleep consultant um, or really any professional who doesn't view babies in this way, who doesn't consider their individuality, who doesn't consider their, their personality and who your baby really is, I would urge you to approach that professional with caution and really think about whether you want them to to help you and to give you guidance. We really are doing a disservice to our our babies, our children, when we don't stop and consider and reflect on who they actually are, what their temperament is like, what their personality is like. When we are reading these, these blogs and even these books about how our children should be behaving and how they specifically should be sleeping, it, those books don't know your child. And they're not written about your child. They're written about a hypothetical child. And many children and babies don't don't meet that same criteria. They're not that child. Um, And so it, it can really be harmful when we're thinking that our baby should be behaving in a, in a certain way and they don't. And then it feels like there's something wrong with our baby or there's something wrong with us. You know, we're doing something wrong to cause this. And in reality, that's just not true. And so another topic that I want to bring up is something that I get on social media a lot. So I will make a post about whatever topic, whether it's sleep training or nursing your baby to sleep or, you know, what what babies, um, something like, you know, not all babies can fall asleep independently or it's okay if your baby needs you to fall asleep, et cetera. And inevitably I will get people who for some reason feel defensive when they read my, um, my, my post, my caption, and they'll comment something like, well, my babies, I, I, set my my baby up with good foundations, good sleep foundations, and I gave them the opportunity to practice and I laid them down drowsy but awake and now they're able to put themselves to sleep independently. And honestly, 
Reading these comments for me can be pretty triggering to me because I have two kids and both of them are were babies, are babies and were babies. I have one baby right now, one toddler. They are babies that didn't do not fall asleep independently. They need lots of support to get to sleep. It doesn't matter what I try. It doesn't matter what strategies I use. It doesn't really matter how often I let them practice. They do not put themselves to sleep. And most recently, I also got a comment that said, you know, it's just, if you just do all of these things, if you just make sure the environment is right and you perfectly find and time the wake windows and you lay your baby down and then they'll just turn their head and fall asleep. And I get comments like this from time to time and it can be really triggering. I know that firsthand because I have to take a, a pause and a step back and go, okay, wow, she's talking about her baby here. My baby does not do that. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with my baby. There's nothing wrong with me continuing to support my baby to sleep. She's speaking from her personal experience, but wow, the way she worded it does really make me feel kind of like garbage, you know? And I, and as a new parent three years ago, reading this comment, I would have been so anxiety, anxiety driven reading this comment. It would have just increased my anxiety because I would read these comments and think, wow, if these people are telling me that if I just do everything perfect and I just make sure all of the pieces are perfectly aligned, then my baby should just be independent and should be able to put themselves to sleep. And yes, there are some babies that will do this, but I don't believe that they are in the majority. A lot of babies will not do this. They will not put themselves to sleep independently. No matter how hard you try to align all of the pieces, no matter how closely you pay attention to their wake windows, no matter how perfect their environment is, and I'm not saying to not do those things, right? That's that's much of the work that I do is helping parents to explore what could be preventing their child from their sleep being optimized. But These kinds of statements are not reflective of every baby. And so we have to remember that, you know, just because you may be listening to this right now and you may have two kids and both of them were pretty easy sleepers. And if you just made sure they weren't overtired and followed their cues, they would put themselves to sleep independently. And I think that's amazing for you. But just remember that not all babies are like your babies. And some parents, many parents, do actually have babies that truly need support to get to sleep, no matter the circumstances, no matter the those foundations pieces that that parents put into place. And so I think this is important. We have to think about babies as being their own unique people, and they don't all need the same things. And so some babies may do okay with less less connection, less proximity. And I just want to say here too that, All babies need connection and closeness and proximity. That's a totally normal baby thing, right? But some babies may be okay with a little bit less of that. They may be able to kind of self-settle when they wake up. They're not upset. They're just, they kind of wake up in between sleep cycles and then they can settle themselves back to sleep. Whereas you have this huge group of babies that can't do that. These babies are signalers. So you have babies that are soothers, like we just talked about. They tend to wake up and not really signal a lot unless they have a a huge need that needs to be met, like feeding or their diaper needs to be changed. 
um, versus you have babies that are more natural signalers. They just always signal, pretty much always signal when they wake up. Um, they need more more connection. They need more support to get them back to themselves back to sleep. They don't typically soothe or settle themselves back to sleep. And then I've I've brought this up um, in a past podcast episode, but I do just to here want to emphasize the difference between self-settling and self-regulating. So babies, really children in general, are not capable of self-regulating. Babies are designed to, um, they are hardwired to co-regulate with us, which means when they are in, when they're upset, right? When their nervous system is dysregulated, they're crying, they're upset. They are not able to calm themselves down. They are not able to self-regulate. They require the assistance of a calm caregiver to co-regulate. And it is through thousands and thousands and years and years of these consistent co-regulation experiences with a calm caregiver, that is how they eventually learn the skills of self-regulation. Now, some babies can self-settle. But self-settling is not when a baby is upset and crying. So that's why when your baby is crying in their crib because they want to be picked up and a parent leaves them in the crib and walks away in the hopes that they will learn to self-soothe or self-regulate, that's not what's actually happening. Some babies can self-settle when they're already in a calm state. So their nervous system is regulated, okay? Um they can, so maybe this is when baby wakes up and is in or is in between sleep cycles. They're calm and then they can kind of settle themselves back down um, into a sleep, into sleep. Or if they're awake and they're just getting a little bit upset, but they're still, they're still calm, but maybe something in their environment isn't quite right. You know, they might be able to use their thumb or stroke their lovey or something like that to settle themselves. So there's a huge distinction between babies who can self-settle and babies who can self-regulate because no babies can self-regulate. That is not possible. It's not how their brain is wired. But some babies can self-settle more frequently. But not all babies can really self-settle much. And it might take more time or longer. It might be baby is older before they start being able to self-settle. So that is where those, those differences come in and how babies are so individual. So if your baby is one of those babies that cannot be laid down drowsy but awake, they they might not be a settler or a soother. They might not really be able to self-settle most of the time, and that's okay. And it's not something that you need to teach. The way that babies learn to do this is, again, by co-regulation, by first the parent does all of the work for them. First, the parent helps them to settle, to soothe, to co-regulate, and helps them to transition between sleep cycles. And this is how babies learn to do these skills on their own through those experiences. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that can really be taught. And it it certainly can't be taught by leaving your baby alone when they're asking for your connection and comfort and support. That's not teaching them any valuable skill. So that's really important to know. Um, again, I'm never coming from a place of judgment or wanting to shame anyone. Um, facts matter. You know, understanding how our children develop, understanding how their brain works, those things matter. Giving that information is not shaming. 
It's not being judgmental. I just think it's important to know because I was there. I was that mom who didn't understand the way my baby's brain worked. I didn't learn this in school. I didn't learn that babies um, are wired for for co-regulation. I was convinced by the people around me in the sleep industry that I had to train my baby or to teach my baby to self-soothe and to regulate and to fall asleep independently or she would never be independent. I didn't understand at the time that dependence really facilitates independence and that this is a gradual progression and that I am not doing any harm to my baby by allowing her to depend on me and that that will actually foster her independence in the future when she's ready. I didn't understand those things. I needed somebody to share that information with me because if somebody had shared that information with me earlier on, I would probably never have attempted to sleep train. I wouldn't have felt the pressure to sleep train. I wouldn't have thought it was my only option. That's why I'm sharing this information. Facts do matter. Facts matter even when they are are uncomfortable for you or um, maybe make you feel unsure or uncertain of decisions that you've made in the past. Those feelings are okay for you to have. It's okay for you to question what you've done in the past. No shame there. That takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to say, you know what? I did something in the past that I don't think was best for my baby. And from now on, I'm not going to do that anymore. Or I'm going to work towards um, towards doing things differently. I'm going to practice doing things differently. I'm going to try to better understand my baby. That's important. That's meaningful. That's the most important and courageous work that you're going to do as a parent. Okay, I kind of went on a bit of a tangent there talking about mom shaming culture and these false accusations of mom shaming. But really, the point of this episode, I wanted to just talk about how our children are so unique. And that's a beautiful thing. And for some reason, We are in a culture right now where, especially related to sleep, we do not address or um, acknowledge, I should say, we don't acknowledge those individualities. And I think that's just such a huge problem. And it's so, it's so disheartening because really our individuality is what makes us all beautiful. And it makes it, it makes the world a better place to live in that we're all so different and unique. And We can't keep trying to put babies in boxes, in these boxes, in these, fit them into these molds of how we think they should be behaving. And so I hope that this is encouraging to you, um, maybe reassuring to you that just because your child doesn't go to sleep by themselves, even if maybe your, your neighbor's child or your friend's child or your sister's child does go to sleep by themselves, it's okay. I know it's hard. It can be really, really difficult, but it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong to cause this or that your child is wrong or that there's something wrong with your child. It doesn't mean that. It's just a difference. And so I think that when we can maybe reframe some of this, some of these sleep challenges, Um, And don't get me wrong, there are true sleep challenges and that's what I work with families on. So if you are really struggling or you need to shift patterns or your child is really waking quite excessively that you think is not normal, then please reach out to me or take one of my e-courses to figure out if we can explore what's going on. But if it's just that your child needs support to get to sleep, that's normal. 
it, we can't pathologize this. Okay. This is a normal baby and child, um, behavior. And so, um, I hope that it's reassuring to you to know that you're normal, your child's normal, you're doing a great job and there's nothing that you can do or there's nothing that you are doing, I should say, that's causing this. Um, And so that's the other thing I just want to talk about really quickly is, um, you know, I get comments a lot messages a lot that say something like, you know, or, or messages from people that their doctor or their family member or whoever said something like this to them. They said, well, your baby isn't sleeping independently because you're not putting them drowsy, but awake, or your baby is still sleeping in bed with you because you won't put them in their crib. Or your baby is still waking at night because you're nursing them every time they wake. And that's just not true. I posted about this on Instagram a while ago, um, but we need to reframe this. So instead of thinking your baby, or instead of thinking my baby will not sleep independently because I will not put them down or I cannot put them down drowsy but awake, let's switch that around and let's say my baby, I won't put my baby down drowsy but awake because they can't sleep independently. Or instead of saying, well, my baby's still waking at night because I keep feeding them when they wake, let's rephrase that and say, I'm feeding my baby when they wake at night because they're hungry. You're not causing the behavior. You're not causing the quote unquote problem or challenge. It just is. It's just a need that your baby has, whether that's a need for hunger, closeness, connection, diaper change, whatever it may be, and they're signaling to you and behaving in a certain way that will get their need met. You're not causing them to have a need. You are meeting their need and responding to them. That's a good thing. Okay, that was long-winded, but I hope this was helpful. Again, your baby is beautiful and wonderful no matter how they are, no matter how they sleep independently or don't sleep independently, if they're hungry at night or not hungry at night. Your child is perfect and you're not causing any problems by responding to their needs. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.